Hello, and welcome to the Hospitality Insights Podcast, In Focus. Join us every week for a fresh episode of conversation, insight, and analysis with contributions from senior people across the industry. We hope you enjoy listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Hospitality Insights, In Focus, where we explore the stories and people behind the news of hospitality investment, development, and operations. I'm Alexi Kajabi, president of Questex Travel and Hospitality Group, and this week I'm joined by my colleague Elaine Simon, senior managing editor of Hotel Management. Hi, Elaine. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good to see you. This week, uh, we're joined by Matt Turner, associate editor for our travel group, and Matt is interviewing Frank Comito, which is the CEO of the Caribbean Tourism Organization. Uh, Frank uh, holds the position of CEO and Director General of the Caribbean Hotel and Tourism Association. He's got a a wealth of experience uh, in the Bahamas with the Hotel and Tourism Association, uh, a position that he held for more than 10 years. Uh, And he's held executive positions with the Nassau Tourism and Development Board uh, and the National Alliance in Business in Washington, D.C. So he's helped spearhead a number of investment projects, notably $410 million investment into upgrading the airport uh, in Nassau. Uh, So uh, Matt will be talking to Mr. Comito about how uh, the Bahamas and the Caribbean uh, in general is uh, is containing and, 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 and handling the virus. Uh, and really trying to balance both safety for residents and visitors alike. Uh, He'll be talking about the pipeline. Uh, The Caribbean has seen uh, an increased number of projects, uh, both transactions as well as new developments. Uh, Safety guidelines at the Caribbean uh, destinations are implementing. I mean, uh, a very seasonal location, so it should be a very interesting conversation to see how the the Caribbean uh, nations as well as the private sector and tourism and hospitality are handling the crisis. So that would be this week's interview. But before we do that, Elaine, uh, we, we spoke last week and uh, uh, we heard from a, a few uh, of our readers and subscribers that uh, it was a bit of a negative tone. Uh, and so uh, we, we, uh, we made a promise to each other to perhaps uh, try and strike a, a more positive note this week. Uh, and I suppose that the best that we can say is some cautious optimism, I think, as you defined it, is uh, is ringing around the market, uh, and, and most notably, uh, uh, particularly in areas of construction within uh, hotel construction pipeline, uh, still remains uh, incredibly robust, uh, even on this side of the pond, uh, down only one percent during the first half of 2020. And again, you know, we're still in a low interest environment. Uh, and we are starting to see, again, some green shoots coming out of uh, of Asia. So, Elaine, is this something that we can actually take to the bank and rely on, particularly around the, uh, the U.S. construction pipeline? Or do you think that this is just something that's taking a while to wash out and we will start to see a decline in that pipeline? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think at least... For this year, I mean, these projects are going to continue because they're very, um, they're not a slow moving beast, or they are a slow moving beast. You know, they are not quickly ended or moved or readjusted in any way. Um, so I think that there will continue to be a, a good level. Um, maybe the beginning of next year, things that haven't quite started that people are keeping an eye on, I think that will 
maybe be affected the most. Uh, but I think that at, at its heart, the hotel industry is optimistic, um, just in general. So I'm hoping that that optimism continues through until we get a clearer picture of travel. And as we get that clearer picture and we see that the, the travelers are coming back, that 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 it, that will continue to boost the, the construction industry. So, so a little yeah. bit of a little bit of both. Yeah, I think I think I think you're right. I mean, to 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 a large degree, uh, you know, those those construction projects that are already under construction, uh, you know, the, 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 you can't stop a construction project. You can't simply mothball it like you may uh, be able to uh, to do with a with with a hotel or an asset that's you know that's that's already built. So when you start to look at those projects. Um, that's where a lot, a, a bulk of those projects, you know, under construction or in the pipeline are. Um, then when you get into, you know, projects that are under planning uh, uh, and, and then, of course, the sort of future projects that are looking, uh, you know, in concept or in early planning stage, as they call it. Um, you know, the Europe as well, We there is a 10% increase year over year uh, of hotel construction pipeline with about uh, a little over 1,800 projects, and I think almost 300, 294,000 rooms. So that's a 10% increase in projects and a 15% increase in rooms. But when you start to drill down into actually what constitutes that pipeline, uh, it's, a, it's around 900 projects that are under construction. So I think the, the thinking on that is that those projects are going to obviously open up. And we spoke to uh, we spoke to some investors uh, earlier this week uh, here in London uh, with regards to our annual hotel conference advisory board. A couple of those investors have projects under development right now, and they're actually feeling quite positive about the fact that they're going to be opening up in 2023. In one case, 2024, they may be tapping the brakes a little bit on the speed of those projects. But I think that there's a there, there's a, a, a relative uh, you know positivity and optimism from those developers and investors that have a new build project coming into the market when foreseeably and touch wood we would expect that the the the, the operating performance will be back to support those projects. Right. I think what will change more isn't necessarily the numbers but the locations. Um, so many of the things that are going to open, at least here in the States, are in areas that are um, hot spots more. I mean, Miami, Florida, Panhandle is a big um, yeah. area for construction. And Florida is, is um, you know, not the best place that, that people want to go to right now. Atlanta, um, New York City has, you know, always has a lot of construction. And, you know, as we've talked last week and run lots of articles about, it is not those big markets that are popular with travelers. It is the secondary, the tertiary, the roadside. So I think maybe some of the um, the investors and the those in interested in construction are going to maybe be just be looking at those alternate areas that maybe they didn't think about before or think that there was a return on investment for. And now maybe there really will be, and that might be where like the stars of the industry will be in those yeah. those kind of areas. So, yeah, you know, there's no question though that 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 getting a project, a construction project, particularly now, is going to be incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the 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 loan to construction values are are going to be skewed towards the lender. Uh, these are you're going to require a a significant amount of cash to get those deals through. 
and and quite frankly, finance is just simply not as available as it was three, four months ago. Um, so, you know, if you're already under construction uh, and, and in some cases you're seeing labor costs go down, albeit you're starting to see materials go up um, in many cases because of the do it yourself projects with everyone sitting home realizing they need to put some shelves up or or something else for that matter. Um, but yeah, I mean, the 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 those projects that are under construction right now uh, also have the opportunity to come into the market fit for purpose in a post or at least, uh, you know, post crisis or post, you know, touch wood COVID environment, because that acceleration of trends of, you know, clean air, clean water, wellness, um, you know, social distancing, uh, you know, those things will probably stick with us. And, and again, not in the extreme way that we're dealing with them now. Um, but, you know, a crisis of this magnitude that has changed human behavior will require the built environment, and in this case, hotels, to really think differently about their social spaces, public spaces, how they deliver service, and so forth. So it could be interesting to see. Right. Another bright spot along with this is the hotel industry for a while now has had to compete with other other you know commercial real estate you know home building things like that for construction materials and construction bodies yep. and it's really driven up the price so now nobody especially commercial real estate nobody's building office buildings right now i'm sure and will not for a while because yep. nobody needs office buildings so there might be um less competition for for the labor and for the materials which would be you know very helpful for the hotel industry for those who are building you know to save, save a few dollars along the way or maybe a lot of dollars you know potentially depending on where you're at so that could be a really bright spot for the hotel industry yeah i couldn't agree more that that'll be an interesting story to watch well it, that's actually a good segue into another topic that uh that we've covered uh and, and we cover frequently in hotel management as an annual uh, uh young professional uh, uh, page and, and survey in uh, in hotel management where we we highlight the industry's uh, you know best and brightest uh, coming up into the industry. Uh, clearly, this year young professionals are going to find the next months and years especially difficult uh, as they're entering or or having recently entered the labor market. Uh, you know, experience from previous recessions tells us that. Graduates are, are, are less likely to find work uh, and will start off in, in lower paying occupations than they might have expected uh, when they do graduate or, or enter the workforce in, a, in, a, in an economic crisis. So given the, the scale of this downturn uh, into which young professionals are recently having graduated or entering the workforce, you know, it's likely to take some time, perhaps five, 10 years for those effects to wear off. You've reached out to those young professionals that were nominated and, and, and won our award. What has been your uh, observation and what, more importantly, is, is going on? What's been their, uh, you know, the impact to the young professionals in the industry? Uh, the impact seems to be um, felt already, felt very quickly. Um, I had the opportunity to call almost all of the ones on this year's list. And sadly, a number of them were gone permanently. You know, I talked to the front desk or talked to, you know, someone in the, in the office and they are gone. 
Um, other ones, um, you know, I got bounce back messages that they're on furlough or very reduced hours and not checking email. Um, so that was a, 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 an alarming number on our list. So I, I think that it, it very swiftly affected them. Um, and like you said, it, it could be a long time you know, in, until that switched. I also have noticed that in uh, right now we are getting ready to wrap up shortly our the nomination process for this next class of 30 under 30, our young professionals. And um, we don't have as many submissions, which, you know, some that could be partially because the people were who normally nominate might be furloughed also. But it, it makes me a little worried that maybe there's just not as many young professionals out there to nominate in the situation that we're in, which is very sad because, you know, they do have a lot of good ideas and a lot of energy and they bring a different perspective to the industry. So it's always good to have, you know, that mix of, of employees. So I, I'm a little, um, you know, I, I definitely want to watch how this turns out, you know, for them as we go, go on. Um, but, you know, that it has the potential to be a bright spot if they come back and are able to, you know, bring their perspective and their their experience, or it, it could end up being a dark spot. It's yeah. I think it's a little too soon to tell for a lot of the companies. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's 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 certainly early, um, but 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 also, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention, as they say. Or you know, disruption often leads to creativity, as you were you and I were talking earlier. Uh, you know, and look, this is an industry, the hospitality industry is, is, is an industry that's been plagued by uh, the fact that, you know, it has a bad reputation of, of low paying, which is in many cases true, um, low paying, low opportunity, uh, and frankly, work that, um, you know, young folks don't want to do, um, you know, and, and, and yet, you know, we, no industry can survive without cultivating and nurturing the next generation of future leaders. And, you know, what we've seen in, 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 in other industries and, 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 and really, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, uh, whether it be chefs uh, or, you know, the culinary, you know, they did a good job of creating kind of chefs and cooking as being cool. Um, I've always wondered why, you know, they don't do a movie on general managers uh, who, frankly, have more, uh, uh, more power, more remit than, than a chef does. Um, but has to know about the culinary side, the operational side, the financial side, has to fix the boiler, understand, you know, what the asset manager is talking about, the balance sheet. I mean, general managers are the modern day captains of, you know, of, of massive battleships that used to roam the seas. I mean, they have to know everything. And we just haven't done a good job as an industry of communicating the opportunity, uh, the excitement. Uh, and frankly, you know, the 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 long lasting benefits of working in this industry, uh, you know, for my own daughters and having put myself through college working in restaurants and hotels, uh, I, I would absolutely encourage a, a working in a restaurant, a hotel, because it gives you an empathy and, and an understanding of how to work with people um, and how to serve people. And by serving people. I don't mean, you know, as, 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 as an underling to another, I mean that sense of hospitality. And so hopefully to your point, there's an opportunity here. That's so funny that you bring that up because um, I actually have to write a column later this week for the next hotel management issue. And I was thinking about writing it along these lines because my daughters, I have three daughters. 
The oldest is 14, and then I have two 12-year-olds. And they are playing a game on their, their devices about running a hotel. And Ooh. so I, they will ask me questions. They were complaining the other day about, oh, they had to pay for something, but you know, payroll came first, and then, then they only had this much left after payroll to pay for it, to fix something or other. And it just makes me laugh because they, they're really into it and they're learning. They're not so much learning the personal service side of it, but more, you know, allocation of funds and what needs done first and prioritizing projects. And it, it just cracks me up that they're so whoever came up with this, like it needs to go wide so that people, you know, this is that's what kids do. They play these games, they learn what effect it could have. I could have three hotelier daughters someday. Who knows? But well, they're having you, so much fun. You, you know when there'll be real hoteliers is when they start complaining about their franchise fees and the and the, and the fees they pay to the OTAs. Then they're they're spawn on their 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 hoteliers. <laughs> yeah, I can see it now. Oh, Airbnb. Yeah. You know, as, as you walk through the house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is that is fantastic. Um, well, you know, uh, best of luck to to all of those, and, and you know, and and a, and, a, and a sincere congratulations to all of our uh, thirty under thirty young professionals that have won this year. It's a tough year, but uh, but you know, uh, uh, there is no question that there is creativity and disruption. And uh, you know, if anyone can survive this crisis, uh, you you'll be prepared for anything to come. So, uh, congratulations to to all of those winners. Um, Last uh, last sort of topic, uh, you know, we had talked about, uh, you know, we were talking service departments and the impact on on Airbnb. Uh, there seems to be a lot of discussion around uh, uh, how service departments and Airbnb, for that matter, are going to benefit out of this crisis. Do you think that's true? I think so. I think more on the service department side, that seems to be a topic in the United States that, you know, there, there's there's some here, but they don't get a whole lot of um attention there's not a whole lot of marketing that i see it's a little bit more you know below the the radar but that seems to be changing now in this environment um airbnb um kind of shot itself in the foot here asking for donations for hosts people were not really into um into that and that kind of gave them a little bit more of a black mark next to their name. So I, my bet is on service departments and you have some experience with that recently, I, I read. So you might be able to speak to that a little bit more personally. Yeah, I, 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 I penned an article on my uh, my trip to uh, to the US, uh, which was in early July to see my uh, my parents who I hadn't seen in in a year. So um, you know, I, I did my own uh, duty of, of socially distancing and uh, and also a bit of a, a social experiment on booking two nights at a hotel and two nights at, at an Airbnb apartment in this case. And, uh, you know, as I wrote in the article, uh, there was nothing indistinguishable about either experience in that the, the hotel, which I, I, I won't name, uh, but it's one of my favorites in my hometown in, in San Francisco. Uh, had literally stripped all hospitality, all customer service, all experience out of the hotel uh, and and really replaced it with an entirely uh, you know neutral, hygienic, sanitized experience uh, that they were actively promoting uh, cleanliness, which there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem was, is that that's all that they were offering. 
And and I ended up having a, a very solitary experience um, in a hotel that you know really should be uh, a, an, ex, an an experience in hospitality, in 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 guests, in in interaction between humans, and food and drink. So I came away honestly very um, very sort of uh, disgruntled um, by. I think the risk in that we over pivot, which I, you know, I, we're all tired of that word, or that we over uh, extend uh, what is hospitality into hospitals, which, you know, are promoting one thing that's very important when you're sick or when you're, you know, in, in danger. Uh, but that's not why you stay at a hotel. Um, it is the human factor. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the hoteliers, uh, both the brands, the management companies, and the owners uh, realize that we are distinct, not because you know we are the most clean or hygienic. That to me is a cost of entry. Uh, what makes us unique and what drives the interest and the demand and ultimately the valuations and the yields in this industry from an investment perspective is the hospitality component, you know, which is that you know je ne sais quoi. Of, of an experience uh, and some people do it well other people don't and you know it, it was a um, it was a bit of a harrowing experience that um, you know both were fine the beds were good you know the Airbnb was 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 just as fine um, but you know it, it really was more about what they didn't do in particularly the hotel that I think has me reeling a bit that uh, that we if we don't get this right, we're actually going to if we can't if we survive this as an industry, but we don't go back to what makes us unique. Uh, we actually are going to go backwards. Right. Especially since people have been stuck at home or, you know, very close to it. We want that you know, that interaction. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be the way it was. Well, it can't be the way it was. It's not going to be at the same level, but we need something. There needs to be, you know, and, and I agree with you 100%. It has to be, it cannot be 100% one way. We have to find a way to make them work together. And Absolutely. that's the only thing that's going to help us through. That's so. it. That's it. Well, listen, Elaine, on that note, uh, always good to see you and always a pleasure to talk to you. Stay safe and I'll look forward to, uh, to talking to you soon. Sounds good. Same to you. Thanks, Elaine. Yeah. Cool. That was awesome. Hi, I'm Matt Turner, the associate editor of Luxury Travel Advisor, part of the QuestX Travel and Hospitality Group. Uh, here with me today is Frank Camito, CEO and Director General of the Caribbean Hotel and Tourism Association. How are you doing today? Good. With, uh, what, what does tourism in general mean to the Caribbean? Well, it's everything. I mean, it's uh, it's our bread and butter. It's uh, in, in some jurisdictions. Well, well, first of all, I think one has to understand that the Caribbean is many jurisdictions within a geographic area. It's uh, we have as part of our federation at the Caribbean Hotel and Tourism Association, 32 national hotel and tourism associations throughout the Caribbean basin. Uh, but for virtually every destination, every jurisdiction in the Caribbean, it's a substantial part of their GDP. And some places like Aruba and the British Virgin Islands, it represents over 90% of GDP, over 90 cents on every dollar that circulates throughout that economy, those economies. 
came from a tourist. And in places like the Virgin, like uh, the, the Virgin Islands and the Bahamas, it's 60 cents on a dollar. So, so it's quite significant. And so obviously COVID-19 travel has, you know, taken hit globally. And how has the Caribbean fared with, with uh, COVID-19? Well, I mean, we, from an infection point of view, we're probably positioned better than most areas in the world. We've, we contained the virus early on. We closed our borders. We are, most of our areas in the Caribbean are islands. So we're able to um, manage the inflow and the outflow very much of people effectively. And uh, with that, in March, that's when a lot of the borders closed down, uh, some of them early in March. And uh, with that, uh, we, we're able to contain the infection rate uh, quite significantly. Uh, outside of one or two jurisdictions in the Caribbean, our infection rate is probably one of the lowest in the world. So we've 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 sought to maintain that, and uh, that 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 has helped us at least get to this point. We are doing everything possible to be able to uh, contain that sense of health safety. Uh, both for residents and, and, and visitors. Right. And, and obviously the destinations, as far as the hotels, all the tourism uh, companies and, and stakeholders, they've been negatively affected by COVID. You know, how have they survived? Are, are they surviving? Well, during a lot of the things that have been done around the world, uh, just uh, trying to provide some measure of relief to the local population and to the business community where where possible. But that's, again, there are constraints on how far one can go with that. Um, uh, so um, um, opening up, we're starting to see some opening up, but in a very measured, deliberate way. Uh, we've been working for months on health safety protocols and guidelines for the region and uh, and, uh, and over the last four weeks, five weeks, we've literally through CHTA and and others, we've we've trained uh, thousands, tens of thousands of people uh, on uh, health safety protocols. We've established health safety guidelines and protocols and checklists for the region, quite extensive. Uh, we've done it in a unique way, I think, a little differently than you'll see elsewhere in the world, where our partner in the development of all of this and in the training is the Caribbean Public Health Agency, which is the umbrella health agency for, for ministries of health and departments of health and so on throughout the region. So they're, they're, they step with us in partnership. We've had a partnership with them actually for about five years. So, so the work we've done previous, previously with the Caribbean Public Health Agency and the industry has really uh, helped us in this process as well. We, we were actually, our first webinar on health safety and on COVID-19 was on February 4th. We had over 500 hotels involved in that. And uh, so I, I think that's an indication of how seriously our industry takes these kinds of matters. And uh, and uh, we've done uh, about 16 sessions since then, uh, uh, in addition to uh, 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 numerous training, online training sessions over the past uh, six weeks as well. So we're, we're, we're doing everything we can to uh, ready uh, and to, uh, to provide some measure of assurances. We have cancel our cancellation policies have been modified significantly early in March. Uh, so uh, so we've been able to retain uh, or rebook over 40% of those who had uh, planned a vacation, which is about double what the US was able to do as well. So, 
So out of the gate early on on that, uh, most travelers to the region will find that kind of uh, that kind of comfort in, in, in that our cancellation policies are fairly uh, 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 liberal. Uh, as well, uh, we uh, we have uh, adopted as an association uh, uh, travel ins insurance, travel traveler protection with uh, TripMate, one of the leading companies in the world in that area. And uh, we're providing that as well as a measure of added uh, added assurance on on any chance challenges. Their coverage, their protection does cover pandemic, which is different than many other areas. So uh, many other uh, coverage uh, companies. Uh, but uh, so so we're, we're we're trying a number of uh, points, uh, Matt, to 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 provide this uh, assurance. Uh, Particularly to the travelers, I think that, that 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 you appeal to as well, the luxury end of travelers, because those are early out of the gate ones that we anticipate, uh, and we're starting to see come back. And and so you the destination has done a very good job of kind of curtailing the spread within the the region, and so now nations begin to reopen. What are some measures that islands and and hotels are taking to keep their guests safe, to keep visitors safe? Well, I mean, we've adopted protocols. Just about every jurisdiction in the uh, region, I mean, and again, we 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 CHTA along with the Caribbean Public Health Agency and our public sector counterpart, the Caribbean Tourism Organization, we've recommended guidelines. Uh, they're they're base guidelines for all the jurisdictions in the region. It's up to them whether how far they want to go, and then there's different circumstances and situations in in all the destinations. But by and large, they're following. Uh, guidelines around uh, entry requirements, some measure of testing or proof of negative tests to be able to enter, or in the case of, in some cases, jurisdictions in the region. Uh, uh, and and, and all, oh, by the way, all this is easily found out on on uh, our we have a resource COVID nineteen resource center on our web center with a travel advisors uh, advisory section. So anyone can go there and we keep that daily updated. We'll say what the entry protocols are for various destinations and so on. But by and large, some measure of testing for almost all the destinations in the region is required to enter uh, within. And, but the timeline of when you, how long before you had the test can vary from uh, 24 to uh, 10, 10 days in some instances as well. So the jurisdictions have varied in that regard. Uh, so, uh, and, and in some cases uh, where testing is not required to be able to travel, once they arrive, testing can be had, which I think the traveler really has to be careful not to be in a predicament where they, they weren't tested prior to leaving, and then they come somewhere and they find out that they've tested positive. That puts them in a, uh, a, a, an uncomfortable situation. So we're trying to avoid that as much as possible with lots of good information that's out there telling people what their entry requirements are by destination. So we encourage everybody to do that, either with the destination website or we, we have some of that with links on our, our resource center as well. Does the CHTA take in talking with, with the, its hotel members and, and possibly practices where they could all be operating at, at a high level of, of safety during this time? Well, I mean, the, the amount of investment that's going gone into training and new equipment and uh, uh, sanitization efforts and so on has uh, is, is been quite significant and, and a bit of a, a, a challenge for many of the hotels because these are difficult times in terms of cash flow. But uh, 
but uh, those measures are in place and um, and uh, um, being taken very seriously. Uh, uh, and uh, 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 it, it buffets, food buffets. I mean, there's there's new measures and ways to deal with things like that. Uh, face mask in face-to-face -face or point-to-point -point contact, but we certainly don't expect people to be wearing face masks while they're lounging by the pool or laying on the beach or whatever. So, uh, so certainly a, a lot of leeway that way, as long as people are maintaining social distancing and other kinds of things that 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 that, that we uh, we advocate. Um, but uh, we're we're seeing uh, all of these various safety health safety protocols uh, literally. Uh, several thousand of them that are being put in place from ground transportation, the point of arrival, ground transportation, the handling of luggage, the point of arrival into your accommodation, uh, your hotel or wherever you're staying, the uh, the measures that need to take place there. Uh, from dining experiences, uh, again, uh, a lot of our dining in the Caribbean is outdoor as well, so it makes it a, a bit more uh, comfortable for the guests and uh, to uh, going out and about to attractions, excursions, or whatever. All of these points of interaction have been attended to by, uh, by the jurisdictions and the industry to, uh, to provide the assurances as much as we can to, uh, to, the, to the traveler. And so staying as we move on from the COVID era, and do you think that this may be, you know, how tourism companies, how our hotel is going to have to adapt to thrive after COVID? Well, I think anybody wants to see a return to the kind of freedom that we had in terms of movement, interaction. I mean, we love in the Caribbean, we're touchy-feely people. We love to touch people. We love to let them see our smile rather than having a, a face covering on. So we long for the return of those days. And at some point, I'm, I'm sure we will return to those days. It's just a matter of when and when it's when it's safe to be able to do that. Uh, but the other side of this is, um, is actually helping all of us ultimately in the long run to have added health safety measures. I mean, it's important. We've taken it very seriously as a region over the years. Uh, we've learned from things like dengue and Zika and yellow fever and all these kinds of things that have been largely uh, managed, well-managed. And it, it, it hasn't been by chance, it has been by trial and error, and also uh, a lot of lessons learned in the process and sharing of that information, which we do as an organization through training, ongoing training and webinars and workshops and so on. So so we, ha we have a track record of learning quite a bit. We learned quite a bit with Zika over the past couple of years, and we're able to put that into a, a, a very manageable situation because we, we trained ourselves, we educated ourselves, we worked with the health authorities locally as well as regionally the Caribbean Public Health Agency has also done something that's very unique throughout the industry worldwide. The UNWTO has, has recognized it. And with us, we established uh, about four years ago an online monitoring, a live monitor, confidential monitoring system. We've got about four, 400 plus hotels in the Caribbean are on this online monitoring system, whereby if, they, they, if, a, if a hotelier suspects a situation or there's a a guest has complained about a, a health complication. Uh, we automatically, the hotels that registered on it, it's called the Tourism Health Information System, this. Hotels that are registered on this are able then to immediately online connect with the Caribbean Public Health Agency and say, hey, this is what we're observing right now in a guest or an employee. 
this situation, uh, what do you think it might be? The health authorities then are then at the regional level are then immediately in touch, and then all of this is done confidentially with the local health authorities, and they begin to provide immediate counseling and advice and an assessment and a read on what's going on. If they need to get on site, they will get on site in, 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 in fairly quick time to be able to then assess what's going on. And if it's a situation that's a contagion situation, contain it and, and, and do a number of other measures to begin to, uh, to control it and, and, and deal with the health safety of the, uh, the impacted individual, as well as doing contact well, we are about to work with CARFA. They have been developing a an online uh, monitoring system, as, not in addition to the online monitoring system, a contact tracing system as well. So we're we're working on a number of those other measures as well to uh, to put that in place. That CHTA represents, I think it was thirty plus countries. But are there any um, <clears throat> excuse me, any uh, major hotel development news that uh, we should be aware of? Well, we're, we're monitoring what's going on. Before COVID, um, STR, Smith Travel Research, uh, does an online, uh, it does an ongoing pipeline system uh, where they're able to measure how many developments are in, 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 in the queue, either under construction or in the planning stages throughout the Caribbean. And uh, we, we've been having some really incredible healthy development, particularly on the luxury end for probably about seven or eight years now in the region. Uh, we had in the region, uh, as of early part of this year, 30,000 rooms under some stage of development. Uh, about half of them were actually in construction already. And um, and uh, we, we were anticipating a, a, about a third of them would have come online this year. Uh, the pipeline report is on suspension right now, but uh, anecdotally, we've been following up with destinations to see where they're at with it. And actually, it's been encouraging to find that, that a number of those that were under construction mm -hmm. are still well on track and, and scheduled to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to open at some point in 2020, 2021, 2022. So, so while I expect that there will be some impact, uh, we expect that. We were surprised that uh, a number of the developments are still well on the way. And we're seeing them primarily on the, uh, the, you know, the, the higher end in terms of types of properties. Um, saying that, we also fully anticipate that because of COVID-19 and the economic impact, it's, it's, it's causing tremendous hardship with, to many properties. Uh, that we will see some attrition. So likely we will also see some additional properties that are out, out on the market, uh, probably in an aggressive way next year to be available to be, uh, to be uh, uh, you know, to be purchased. So we, and we anticipate that we'll see some of that as well in the process. While we see a number of those 30,000 that were on the books just will not come to fruition because of the the, uh, the anticipated uh, several years that it's going to take to get back to the uh, trend line that we were on before COVID. Right. You had mentioned there's a number of high to the destination. Is this the concerted effort on, on your part, on, on the part of the Caribbean destinations themselves and their governments, or are these uh, brands and, and companies seeking you guys out? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a combination of all of that, and uh, it, it's also based on consumer interest and demand, and that's where the demand has been. 
Now, correspondingly, this is just me talking anecdotally. Uh, the I anticipate that the return is going to occur in a faster way at both the luxury end and the boutique kind of properties uh, that are really special, uh, out of the way, they're in a remote area and so on. I think those kinds of properties are going to do well that that can provide, particularly those that have villas within their, their network and so on, those will survive and, 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 and come back faster. Correspondingly, we, we also anticipate that we're going to see, and we're seeing it already, we're going to see increased activity at the budget level as well. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and a lot of that's going to be based on, on expats, on return of travel, by local travel, inter-Caribbean travelers, intra-Caribbean travelers, um, business travel, and so on. So, so we are seeing uh, stepped-up activity at that level quite a bit, actually. Uh, it surprised me. I spoke to one hotelier from St. Lucia the other day who told me they were they were actually shocked that they were running 70%. And, and it's mostly locals and Caribbean nationals who are coming in. So I think we're, we're going to see it on two levels, basically. Could you uh, see a proliferation in these boutique properties? Because you'd imagine that as as we begin traveling after after COVID-19, that travelers may, may uh, search out for these smaller properties where they could have their own space, their own villa, and be separated from, from some of these other uh, the other hotel guests. I, 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 I don't know if I'd use the word proliferation, Matt. I think I'd, I'd use the word uh, 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 steady as you go kind of opportunity. Uh, the uh, uh, I think uh, I, I think we're we're looking at um, all the data data that we've looked at and looking at trend line data as well. I mean historical trend line data in terms of uh, recovering from hurricanes and other kinds of situations, the 9-11, uh, the res Great Recession of 2008-9, um, the recovery, it will be slow. It'll be slow and steady. And uh, in, in, our, in our view, it's more like a, a Nike curve rather than a, a V curve or a W curve or whatever, I mean, people are looking at, but it will be a slow, steady recovery. And actually, it, it'll be faster coming out of it than we experienced years ago. We've, we've, we've studied a lot of this, particularly around hurricanes. And, and the region, the Caribbean, has gotten so much better because of our experiences with, with crisis situations, uh, natural disasters and so on, of rebounding. Uh, so we, we will see a slow, steady recovery, but it, 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 it's going to take some time. Years ago, we would say it would take five, six years, seven, eight years sometimes to get your rate back, to get your occupancy back, get to get to the areas that you were before. Uh, based on the hurricanes of 2017, which affected about a third of the Caribbean, uh, Maria and, and, and Irma, we, we, we saw that rebound occur within two and a half years. By, by before COVID, most destinations that were affected seriously by, by, uh, by uh, those hurricanes had, had almost fully rebounded. Uh, I mean, there were a few challenges with airport and so on in St. Martin, but, but for the most part, they were on a, a, a good trend of comeback, uh, 70, 80 percent back and doing well with what they had. But the other thing is that they also had new and improved product as well. So we see all of that. And uh, certainly as we come out of it, the, the traveler will benefit from that freshened product. The other thing that's really interesting and different with a COVID situation versus a hurricane, a hurricane comes in and it, it destroys your infrastructure. 
or it damage, seriously damages your infrastructure. Um, our physical infrastructure is better. We have, I think, 13 upgraded or new airports in the Caribbean over the past 10 years. We have um, uh, significant new product. Uh, so all of that remains. So, uh, so as we come out of this, we are actually physically much better structured to be able to, uh, to accommodate uh, travel as, as we rebuild it. Well, let, let's let that uh, travel bounds quickly as it, as it did uh, in 2019, but that's pretty much all I had. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to share? No, I think um, one of the things we learned in, um, in a campaign we did many years ago uh, after 9-11, we, we, we did a campaign called Life Needs the Caribbean, and it really resonated really well with the traveler. Um, when you look at what the Caribbean offers, particularly on the luxury end and so on, the opportunity to uh, to rejuvenate, to uh, to uh, re-piece re oneself, if you will, uh, there's there's few places on earth that 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 restore, rejuvenate wellness, a sense of wellness and peace and peace of mind, and and uh, then the Caribbean, and, and in many ways. Uh, as we recover, the Caribbean is is well positioned to be able to uh, help people recovery recover physically, spiritually, mentally, and so on. So, uh, so we think we're in a good spot, and, and in many ways, um, life needs the Caribbean. Yeah. Well, very much looking forward to being back and seeing those uh, smiling Caribbean faces once again. <laughs> very good. We're wearing masks. Some places are wearing masks right now with a smile on. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, you, know, you got to make do. Sure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you to our hosts and contributors for creating this week's episode. Plenty to consider, absorb, and reflect on. If your appetite for knowledge remains unquenched, visit our website, hospitalityinsights.com, for more content with purpose, and tune in next week for another new episode of Info